everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Substack page. Okay, it is officially Christmas week now by the time you're listening to this, which is the second to last week of this awful, horrible, no good year, but... It's Christmas week, so Merry Christmas to everybody that celebrates. Um, To all of my Hanukkah celebrators, I hope that your Hanukkah was as lovely as it can possibly be this year. You know, under the circumstances, we can't really celebrate holidays the way we're used to celebrating them. So I hope everybody is going to make the best of it. I hope everybody is at least finding some way to have some sort of joy and some good times and to kind of decompress a little bit heading out of this year. Um... I actually do have some fairly good news to report out of these past week, but I will go ahead and start with the unemployment, which that is not where the good news is, unfortunately. Um, For the week ending on the 12th, there was 885,000 new initial unemployment claims filed, which is obviously lower than it was the week before, but still very elevated from the low to mid 700,000s that we had been seeing for the past, oh, three to four weeks prior to the last two weeks. So not a good sign. Still very, very elevated, obviously way beyond anything that has ever happened before. But the fact that it has ticked up this high, this fast during a season of the year in which unemployment typically falls a bit because you have that seasonal bump in employment because of the holidays. Yeah, this is this is bad. And we are starting to go into lockdowns again. Um, I know New York City is supposed to not really have much in the way of dining right now. I mean, they've banned indoor dining. Uh, they kind of tried to ban outdoor dining because of weather conditions, but people were still out doing it anyway. So, I mean, that's just kind of testimony to how desperate people are. Like, they will literally go and sit outside in the freaking snow to go eat food somewhere other than their freaking house where they've been eating food for months on end. So, yeah, um, that's still kind of up in the air. Um, I know California is still kind of up in the air, and there's a lot of other places. Um, D.C., I believe, has also banned indoor dining for the next couple of weeks, so... Yeah, I don't know if we're going back into hard lockdowns. I'm hoping not. I'm I'm praying not. Yeah, but on the congressional front, um, like I pointed out last week, for anybody who is still drawing benefits from the CARES Act, that does end on December 26th. So prepare yourself for that. Um, There was a little bit of movement on a second stimulus, COVID stimulus package this past week. Um, Where it stands right now is there's a sort of a tenuous bipartisan agreement on a bill that would extend federal unemployment for three months at $300 a week. So it wouldn't be the $600 a week it was before. And doing a one-time $600 stimulus check, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to kind of rejigger the qualifications for getting a stimulus check this time around. Uh, One thing that does kind of suck about this plan is that those stimulus checks are going to come at the expense of having a fourth month of federal unemployment, which I think if we are handing out money that it should be going to those people who need it the most and not to just doing like blanket direct stimulus checks, that's just me. Um, 
The the bill that they have agreed on, though, does have a very important clause in it, though, and that is that it does not give businesses a liability shield. And this has been something that has been debated between Democrats and Republicans, the idea of there being a federally mandated liability shield for businesses that it say like nursing homes where it was shown that there was COVID outbreaks and nobody did anything about it. Or if you go someplace and you contract COVID and you can like prove that you got it there, you can't sue them if, if there was a liability shield in place. I have noticed though, and I mean, that would be on the federal level. I have noticed on the state level, at least here in Georgia, I see these little signs that have popped up everywhere. And it seems that on the state level, Georgia has passed a liability shield. So you can do it on the state level. Like I see these little signs that say, okay, it's kind of an elaborate way of saying enter at your own risk, like per section, blah, 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 blah. That if you enter this business and you contract COVID, you cannot sue them, basically. So liability shields can still exist on the state level, but as per this bill, it would not exist on the federal level, which I think is really important. Um... Whether this is going to go anywhere or not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Trump does not love this bill because he has been, and in all fairness, people are kind of misconstruing his position on this as trying to blow up a deal right now. Um, But his position hasn't really changed since the summer, which is that Trump has always favored doing much larger direct stimulus checks. And He is not in love with the $600 checks. He wants them to be bigger. I mean, in the past, he has indicated support for somewhere around the 2000 mark for individual direct stimulus checks. So portraying it as him kind of trying to blow up negotiations right now, I don't think is entirely fair because he's just reiterating the same position he's had for months, which is that he wants large direct stimulus payments to go directly to Americans. He's been very clear about that. So... Whether this will make it to his desk, whether he will sign it or not, whether any of this will happen at any point before January 20th, I don't know, and I'm not holding my breath. Um, Congress did, and this is in an indication of how just incredibly boned of a situation we're in. Um, Congress had to pass a two-day spending bill to keep Congress from shutting down so that they can continue the COVID stimulus talks, which... We should pass a fucking budget. God, oh my God. Anyway, so what happens at the end of those two days? I don't know. Maybe we'll pass another two-day budget deal, but this is where we're at. Like, this is, oh my God. So broken. So, so broken. But maybe there will be something in the near future. But like I've been saying, I wouldn't hold my breath. And yeah, I mean, it's, there's been progress, at least. But obviously nothing is going to happen before the CARES Act expires. So we are going to have a period of time where there will be no federal COVID assistance. And for what it's worth, it does seem that anything that is passed as far as a second bill will not be retroactive to anything. So fingers crossed for everybody out there who is in the unemployment line because, yeah, things are getting kind of nasty out there. But... Moving on to the rest of the news of the week. Um, remember how I've been telling you we've been on the Bill Barr death watch? Well, Barr decided to pull the plug himself. Um, it was announced on Monday that effective the 23rd, uh, Bill Barr will be stepping down as attorney general. 
So this ends the saga of will Barr be fired? And if so, when? Uh, Yeah, he's decided to step down. And per the White House, he wasn't forced out. Nobody made him leave. But of course, there have been rumors always floating around for the past couple of weeks, especially after the DOJ investigation into the election fraud. And then also the revelations that Bill Barr knew about the Hunter Biden tax case and didn't say anything. He sat on it that Trump has been less than pleased with him and that there's been talk of him being fired. So I guess maybe he just decided to just go ahead and pull the trigger and get it done and over with. But Bill Barr will be resigning. Um, Jeff Rosen will be taking his place until such a time as Donald Trump is no longer president and Biden is president. And then obviously he will be picking his own attorney general. So there's that. And a weird, bizarre era in American politics. This whole four years, man. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm so curious to see how we're going to feel about all this in like five years or even 10 years or what, how history is going to judge the past four years and especially the past like two months because this has been, oh, I was not ready for all this. I, I did not expect things to go smoothly, but I did not expect them to go this badly. And there was um, a story that came out in the New York Times. Yeah, not the Post, the Times, Maggie Haberman. Um, There was a rumor that, well, what, not a rumor, that there there was factual reporting that Sidney Powell, you know, the the crazy pants cracking lady, was at the White House. And there was discussions going on within the White House of appointing her to be some sort of special counsel to investigate election fraud. Um, There was talk that Donald Trump was kind of leaning in this sort of Michael Flynn direction of possibly imposing martial law or getting the, the federal military involved in this. And that led to a big, massive shout fest and people telling him that, no, you cannot do that. You cannot, you cannot declare martial law. You cannot send the military in to do what the fuck ever they want. I'm like, I'm at this point, I, I don't even understand what it is they want. Like, what do you want to do the election again? Do you want to throw out the results of this election and then do what? Like, I'm not entirely understanding what the point is anymore. But Donald Trump came out and said that he never advocated for martial law and that's fake news. And I was like, oh, look, oh, the persistence is going to be so sad. <laughs> Uh, Because that's what they're calling themselves now, the persistence. I swear to God. It's it's like, this is the next four years, it's just going to be both teams just switching sides of the field. Like, look, they're even, they're even stealing, like, the resistance hashtag thing. Like, um, like, can you please be less (laughs) okey? Can you please don't do this? But, of course, that is what's going to happen. (sighs) Uh, Um... Really curious to see how things are going to shake out over the next six months, though, because I think a lot of people are going to kind of drop out of this process of paying attention to politics because it's going to become boring again. Nobody's going to care. It's not going to be blood sport anymore, so it's not going to be fun. We're going to go back to talking about things like whether we should be calling Jill Biden Dr. Jill because she has an, has an ED and not a PhD or an MD. This is what we're doing. This is... It, a news cycle that has gone on for a whole week talking about whether we should be calling Dr. Jill, Dr. Jill. 
All because one dipshit decided to write a stupid opinion column about how she needs to bench it now that she's first lady, because obviously you just just go be first lady, you know, it'd be real nice. It's like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, it, and it's, oh, we're going to go back to stupid controversies, everybody. <laughs> because we're not going to have Trump and his Twitter feed to kick around anymore. We're going to go back to stupid controversies like this and in the tan suit and all sorts of other assorted dumb bullshit. But you know what? I'm kind of not mad. Kind of not mad. Kind of miss that shit. I'll be happy to go back to arguing about dumb stuff instead of whether <laughs> Trump's Twitter account constitutes actual official messages from the president and how we should interpret that and how we should take it and what did the band say on Twitter again? And because Joe Biden's not going to say crazy things on Twitter. So anyway, moving on to Tuesday. Tuesday was a really big day for news. Um, on Tuesday, the FDA did approve the Moderna vaccination for emergency use authorization. And as of today, the 20th, it is on trucks being shipped out right now. So now we have Pfizer and Moderna on the ground and vaccinations are happening. The CDC kind of... Well, I, I won't obviously say they fucked up, but they did kind of fuck up in their initial recommendations as to who should be getting the vaccines first. The CDC initially wanted to prioritize healthcare workers over the elderly, and the internet got mad at them and explained to them that you're going to kill grandma because I mean that, that I mean this this could literally be killing grandma this time, but that basically pointing out to them that no, you need to prioritize the people who are at the highest risk of death from this. And then you can move on to the people who are going to have the most exposure to it. And then you can move on to the rest of us. Like this, this shouldn't be hard. Like vaccinate the people who might die if they get COVID first, like do those people first and then work backwards from there. So the CDC has revised their recommendations and they've put it to where people 65 and older and certain healthcare workers should get priority. It was before 75 and older. And obviously people with comorbidities are going to be prioritized because again, get the people that are going to die from this. Get them first. Because that means once they're vaccinated, the rest of us can start moving about more freely because we're not going to have to worry about being asymptomatic carriers and bringing it home to grandma or grandpa or auntie or uncle or whoever your elderly people are and getting them sick and having them die. Once we can get that situation under control, a lot of other things will fall into place. So yes, do the olds first. So it seems like we are going to be doing the olds first now. The, the, the second thing, and this is the thing that I am the most excited for, because this is what I have been asking for since the beginning of March. The FDA has approved for emergency use an at-home, completely at-home, rapid COVID test. Thank you, Jesus. I have not been more excited for a piece of tech than I am for this system. What it is, is it's from an Australian company called Elume. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but E-L-L-U-M-E. And what it is, is I, I've seen the packaging for it. I've seen the pictures of it. And what it is, is it seems like in your initial box, your, your initial order, which is supposed to be in the $30 range, you get 
one nasal swab, you get the testing fluid, and you get an analyzer that has Bluetooth connectivity. And so what it is, is you use this, you connect it to your cell phone, and so you, and then you download the app. The app gives you the instructions of how you're supposed to do the test. And the nasal swab is not like a shallow swab, but it's not the one that like tickles the back of your brain. It's kind of in the middle there. So you do that, you follow the instructions, you put it in the analyzer, you, you put the, the testing fluid in there, you wait about 15 minutes, and then the results are sent to your phone. Obviously, if it comes back negative, you're good to go. If it comes back positive, there is a functionality in the app to connect you to a doctor, your doctor, whoever, if you want to pursue either getting a second test just to make sure that it's not a false positive, or you want to pursue treatment for COVID. The best part about this system is that it is suitable for testing for both symptomatic and asymptomatic people because it tests for antigens. Basically, how this works is when you have COVID inside you, it sheds a certain protein. It's called an antigen. What this test tests for is the presence of that antigen. So even if you are asymptomatic, if you have COVID in you, you are going to test positive for this. And let me go ahead and pull up the FDA statement for their emergency use authorization to give you the numbers for accuracy. The Illum COVID-19 home test uses a mid-turbinate nasal swab. Sample is collected further back than the usual nasal swab, but not as far back as the nasopharyngeal swabs, which are only appropriate for use by a trained healthcare provider. So again, you're kind of midway. You're not shoving that guy all the way up there, but you're not just like a little shallow thing either. So anyway, to detect certain proteins of the virus known as antigens, the Illum COVID-19 home test correctly identified 96% of positive samples and 100% of negative samples in individuals with symptoms. In people without symptoms, the test correctly identified 91% of positive samples and 96% of negative samples. So basically what that means is if you test with this system and you test negative, you're good to go. Like you, I mean, you can go get double tested if you want to, but if you test negative for this, you should be good to go. If you feel like you are symptomatic and you tested negative, then of course go get a second opinion if you want. If you test positive, more than likely you do have COVID. Again, you can use that information to contact a doctor and say, look, I've done this at home test. I got a positive I'm asymptomatic. I want to have a second opinion. And then hopefully that might ease your way into getting a second test if you want one. If not, then obviously you can just go ahead and trust the results of that test and conduct yourself accordingly. This, this, this is it. This is, (laughs) this is the thing that I think maybe even more than vaccines is the thing that is going to get us out of this mess. We have needed at home rapid COVID testing. That way, if you think you have COVID, you can stay your germy ass at home and test yourself there and go from there. If you have been out traveling or if you have been in contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID, stay your ass at home, do the test there, and then see whether you're positive or negative and proceed from there. Like I said, the test results come back in about 20 minutes. Um, They are shipping to the U.S., on the first week of January is going to be when the first test ship. Um, The company is in talks with various retailers to get 
these actual tests like on the shelf so you could like go to CVS or Walgreens or Walmart or Target or wherever and just buy one off the shelf and then either have it at your house just in case if you are somebody who wants to keep testing yourself, if you think that you might have it and you want to go ahead and get tested. And this this is what we've needed the whole time, like just at home rapid testing. And it's finally, finally happening. I am so excited about this. And judging from looking at the equipment that comes in the initial set, um, like I said, you only get one nasal swab to begin with, but I don't see why in the future you couldn't buy like refill packs of nasal swabs because it looks like 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 the analyzer and the, the Bluetooth connection and like the little dropper bottle. It looks like the dropper bottle has way more fluid than what you would need to do one test. I'm not sure how much fluid you're going to need, but it looks like a pretty substantial size dropper bottle. But I would think in the future you could just keep like the hardware parts of the kit and then just buy more nasal swabs or more testing fluid as needed. Because this is an initial rollout, I'm assuming that's why they're not doing it like this in the first place. I'm assuming they're trying to prioritize having enough nasal swabs to include with your initial test kit purchase. And so maybe in the future, there will be more like refill kits and stuff like that. And what the pricing for that would be, I'm not entirely sure. But having something like this come in at a relatively affordable price rate and in a package that looks like parts of it will be reusable is a big deal. So excited, so excited. And it's it's happening the first week of January, like between this, between the vaccine starting to roll, I'm, I'm feeling more optimistic than I have in a long time that maybe, just maybe we may be coming to an end to this awful, horrible nightmare. Because at least, at, I mean, at-home testing obviously would be great until all of us can get vaccinated. Those of us who want to get vaccinated, if you don't want to get vaccinated, then look, you can just test yourself and then you can be a responsible person and conduct yourself accordingly. So super, super, super excited for that. Can't wait to get my hands on one. Can't wait to see them on store shelves. Can't wait until people can just walk into CVS and get the vaccine, which... Interestingly enough, I got an email from CVS over the past week saying that they will, when it becomes available for such a thing, they will be offering the Pfizer vaccine in store, like the same way you can go to CVS and get a flu shot. Apparently, you will be able to go to CVS and get vaccinated if you wish, which is interesting. I'm not entirely sure how they're going to handle like the storage aspect of that, but they have announced that they will be doing that. And I know Walmart has plans for it, so... Things are coming together. Things are falling into place for everybody who wants the vaccine. So fingers crossed that this will happen sooner rather than later. And actually, one more thing on the Pfizer vaccine front. Um, a couple of pharmacists started looking at the vials that the, the vaccine's coming in. And Pfizer was actually slightly overfilling the vials, which is something that apparently drug makers do just in case of like spillage or accidentally like you don't really measure it out correctly or something happens. But they noticed that there was enough overage in each little vial to squeak out like an extra dose out of each vial. It was supposed to be, I think each vial was supposed to hold two doses and you could actually squeak three out of them. So that definitely bumps up the amount of vaccines that are actually available. So good news there. Maybe we'll be able to speed through things a little faster because there's more of the vaccine available than was originally calculated. Hey, I'll take it. 
I mean, it, it's better than the alternative, which would be that there was less. So, good news on that front. Um, another thing that happened on Tuesday is that Mitch McConnell admitted out of his own mouth on the Senate floor that Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States. Oh boy, did that piss off a lot of people because, of course, this the the new the new thing the new thing because, of course, this was never just going to be just oh just let him let go through the legal process and then no 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 now it's oh the House and the Senate are going to stop this they're going to do something and this is Mitch McConnell saying fuck around and find out <laughs> because he he openly acknowledged that he is that joe biden is the president-elect and i am assuming that he is doing so to send a not-so-subtle message to senate republicans that if you want to try some bullshit there will be consequences so what's going to end up happening on january 6th i don't know probably nothing legally speaking nothing can happen but of course somebody is probably going to try it um, rumor is that it's going to be Tommy Tuberville, which is a incoming freshman from Alabama who doesn't seem to be particularly bright. Um, I'm sure somebody right now is sitting him down and explaining to him that if you do this, uh, Mitch McConnell will make your life a living hell until you are no longer in the Senate. <laughs> like, get ready to have your office down in the basement and you can forget any committee assignments. So, yeah, Cocaine Mitch kind of dropped the hammer on Senate Republicans trying anything too crazy, basically making it known that he is not here for your shenanigans and will not be approving of them. Another outlet that did finally admit it is Newsmax. They have come out and said that they acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States, but that they will, of course, still be following this this news story of election fraud. But they said that Joe Biden is the president-elect. So I guess this just leaves One American News Network and Trump and people who... Oh, man. Ooh, people that aren't quite all there with reality i mean I, I don't i don't know what more i think it's one for 59 in court arguments now including two scotus smackdowns i mean i don't know what else anyone wants to do i mean there was talk that rudy giuliani went and approached ken cuccinelli who is the acting director of dhs kind of sort of that whole situation is murky and asked Cuccinelli if there was any way that DHS can go like seize the voting machines from the contested states. And Cuccinelli had to be like, no, we cannot go seize voting machines for no damn good reason because that would be stealing because you don't have a warrant. So, no, you can't do that. I, I don't know. This is just <laughs> this has gone on way too far. This is just it. It in. Some days at this point, I question whether Trump is genuinely believing all of this. But then, then I remember that this is also just a giant grift for these people. Because as it comes out, um, the emails that are coming out of the Trump campaign urging people to donate for the Georgia Senate seats to make sure that Loeffler and Purdue win their Senate races, that any donations that are coming through those particular emails, those particular shout outs, 
um, is not going to the candidates. It's going into a newly formed pack for Trump's future legal or not legal political activities or possibly legal activities, too. I mean, <laughs> that might not have been such a Freudian slip after all. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's just a reminder that this is all fleecing people. And that's just I here's what I don't get. Like, if I supported Trump and I supported this effort and I supported donating money to get Loeffler and Purdue elected to the Senate, and I found out that the money I donated is not going towards that, it's going towards something else, I would be pissed. Like, I would be really fucking pissed. But these people are not going to be pissed. Because it, it, the, the excuse is already baked in, like, oh, it's fake news. Like, no, it's not fake news. It's not fake news. But these people are just going to be like, nope, it's fake news. I don't I don't know what to say about that anymore. So <laughs> moving on. Um, Oh, man, it's, it's going to be a weird couple of weeks. Anywho, back to the vaccines, though, because we do have a bit of a hiccup going on um, with the Pfizer vaccines. There seems to have been some kind of communication breakdown between Pfizer and and the federal government and the logistics of getting these rolled out because this is going through the federal government. Like this is the federal government purchased these 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 doses and Pfizer is basically at the point they've come out and said, we have all of these vaccines in storage. We're waiting for the government to tell us where to ship them. So as per usual... Government creates a bottleneck between people getting very important supplies. Who could have imagined this was going to happen? But the the man in charge of this has stepped up. He said, "I'm I'm sorry, I screwed up. Like it's just, it's it's on me." Which, okay, cool, good job stepping up, taking responsibility, saying where the buck ends, not passing it, not being like, "Oh well, it's all Pfizer's fault." Like, no, they're taking responsibility, so I can't. I can't blame them for that. But this is why we don't leave the government in charge of certain things. This is why we let other entities handle this kind of stuff. Like this is just not the the military and the federal government is not designed for distributing vaccines across the country. That's not their function. That's not what they do. There's plenty of other companies. There's plenty of other entities that do that. That 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 is their job. Like distribution and logistics is their job. So this is why we let those people who are in the private sector handle these sorts of things because they already have experience doing it. So hopefully that bottleneck will get removed here soon and Pfizer will get instructions as to where to ship their vaccines that they are patiently waiting to ship because they have them ready. So hopefully in the next week or two that'll get situated and hopefully we won't have the same problem with the Moderna vaccine. And the things will start shipping out and start getting out there and getting to the people that need it most. And it's at this point, estimations are that um, just healthy, non-comorbidity, low-risk people who want the vaccine, we're probably looking at early summer, maybe late spring if things go better than planned, but probably early to mid-summer. So... I mean, it's coming. It's coming. And quite frankly, I would much rather the people who are at the highest risk of dying getting vaccinated first. Because like I said, once you get that group of people situated, once we don't have to worry about those people so much anymore, 
then we can start moving on to opening things back up, letting people go about their business because you won't have that problem of being an asymptomatic carrier and possibly killing grandma accidentally because grandma will be vaccinated and then you don't have to worry about grandma anymore. And then grandma can go out. I mean, grandma would like to go out. She hasn't been out in a while. She's been she's been stuck at home. You know, she's been stuck in the nursing home. Maybe she would like to go out to lunch. And you can take grandma out to lunch. It'll be good, you know? But the last story I want to talk about, and this is one that's oddly not getting a lot of traction. And maybe it's because we're just kind of in the early stages of understanding what exactly has gone on. But... Um, It appears that there has been a widespread security breach across, we are not entirely sure how many government agencies at this point, it has been confirmed that the Department of Congress or the Department of Commerce, uh, Department of Agriculture and the cybersecurity arm of the DHS have been compromised in what is looking like, well... (sighs) Here's the thing, and because this is kind of nascent, we don't know a lot about it yet, but from the intelligence that's being put out there, and by the intelligence, I'm also mean the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has said this, Marco Rubio has said this publicly, that this is a Russian state-sponsored cyber attack. And let me explain to you kind of how this happened and why it is rather frightening and dangerous. Um, Basically, there's a third-party network monitoring software called SolarWinds. Part of that is there's there's a a sub sort of program called Orion. And a lot of different companies use this. The federal government uses it. And what happened is whoever came up with this hack, and this is why a lot of people are assuming that this is state-sponsored because I don't imagine that a private entity would do this, but who knows? Um, What happened is they managed to hack into SolarWinds itself and piggyback their their software onto the software updates for SolarWind. So every time that a company did what you're supposed to do to keep your your network surveillance up to date is you're supposed to install your software updates. Everybody knows that's best practice. Well, in doing so, they invited the, the, the malicious software into the system. And so it seems like at this point since spring, um, this has been active and whoever was doing it They basically waited around until they acquired enough information to spoof authorized accounts. And then they've just been going through God knows what in God knows what federal agency. Um, The DHS has absolutely pounded the alarm on this. They have told every federal government agency to conduct an internal audit like now to find out if they have been compromised. So we're not entirely sure how far this has gone, but I mean... These are people that have been basically operating in God mode since spring, accessing we don't entirely know what yet. Um, Trump, for his part, has completely minimized this, um, saying it's not that big a deal, which it's a big fucking deal, dude. A really big fucking deal. Um, Basically, it's not as bad as the media has been saying. You know, we're just blaming it on Russia. Maybe it was China. In, in and then pivoting back to election interference and, and I'm just like this is this is this is important 
Like, this could be really bad. We don't know what information has been accessed. We don't know how many federal government agencies have been compromised. Oh, boy. Yikes. And it wasn't just that the federal government was, well, maybe it was just that they were the only ones that were meant to be affected. But obviously, everybody who's been using that SolarWinds Orion software and has been doing their software updates has also been compromised. So, yeah, this, oh boy, and this could be bad. Um, I, I, I don't know enough, and I don't think anybody knows enough right now to say who did it. I mean, I would assume that if the Secretary of State and a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee is comfortable saying it was Russia, then they probably have some intel on that. I don't know, but yikes. It kind of it kind of illustrates, though, that the next sort of phase of warfare globally is going to be cyber warfare. It's going to be stuff like this. It's not going to so much be boots on the ground or people dropping drone bombs or stuff like that. It's going to be espionage. It's going to be getting information. It's going to be stealing information. It's going to be hacking into government systems and poking around and seeing what they've got. And so... There's there's talk on the back of this that maybe com- or countries need to come together and come to some sort of agreement on cyber warfare and that we should not do that, kind of the same way that we kind of came to an agreement on nuclear warfare. Like everyone kind of agrees like, all right, we're not going to do that because that is bad. Maybe we'll get there on this. But like I said, it is still kind of a developing story and... I know there's so much other stuff going on right now. We still have all this election stuff to deal with. We're dealing with the COVID stuff. There's a lot of news coming out on that. A lot of people starting to feel somewhat optimistic. But this is important, too, because, I mean, depending on who has been compromised and what information has been gotten, especially I'm concerned about the DHS part of the hack because I'm sure DHS has collected all sorts of sensitive information on everybody in the country, and if somebody else has access to that information, that's not good. That's not good. And we also need to have a broader conversation, especially when Congress, when the federal government wants to start talking about um, having the backdoor keys for end-to-end encryption. Um, Obviously, that would not be good if that got hacked. If you start talking about how the government should be more involved in the tech industry like no you need to fix your own shit first like no no no, you don't get to involve yourself in end-to-end encryption which they have been trying to do there's been a couple bills out there where the government has basically said that they need to have backdoor keys to this and it's like well clearly you can't be trusted with that because you just got hacked to an extent that we don't know yet so maybe no no, no, no. You don't get that. <laughs> Once you prove that you can keep the information that you have secure, you know what? No, not even then. You still don't get access. <laughs> but this is just, it, it, it touches on a lot of concerns that a lot of us have for government intervention and a lot of things. And I've made this point in relationship to government-run healthcare. Like, what happens if there is a database that has everybody's personal medical information there and it gets hacked and it gets leaked. What happens if all of a sudden, like, there's a list of people 
who have AIDS or who have HIV or who have some other communicable disease? What happens if somebody's personal information is all of a sudden everywhere for everyone to see? Like, you know, that's this is this is stuff that you have to think about. And clearly the government is not equipped to handle safeguarding sensitive information. Like this is not the first time that the federal government has been hacked. They need to figure that shit out first before they get access to any other personal identifying information on anybody. That's it. So hopefully this story will be better than people are thinking it's going to be. Hopefully this is a little more contained. I'm not feeling very confident, especially since this is something that happened in the spring and is just now being detected. Like that's six months of people poking around, finding out information. Like that's not, that's not good. That's not good. I, I'm I'm sure they didn't stop at commerce and agriculture. <laughs> I'm sure they tried to get into things like, oh, treasury or the Pentagon or someplace where you could really do some serious damage. I, I don't think they just stopped at, you know, counting soybeans or thinking about like commerce. <laughs> oh, but fingers crossed on that. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I do hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. I hope you guys have at least a couple of days off in the upcoming week. I hope you have some way of celebrating, even if it's not our traditional way of doing it. And hopefully by this time next year, we will all be able to have our normal Christmases, our normal Hanukkahs, our normal Thanksgivings, our normal birthdays, all of our normal stuff, because it does look like we have lots of different ways of managing COVID on the horizon, shipping out right now, shipping out in the very near future. So hopefully we will be able to get a handle on this stuff and we can all go back to living our normal lives again. Please, dear God, just make it stop. Anywho, as always, take care and until next time.